What's up, everybody? Welcome to Salah's Corner with the one and only Salah Muhammad. Burr, 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 burr. I'm back, bitches. <laughs> hey, real, real quick, you know what this that just made me think of? Have huh. you ever seen this show called Superstore? I've seen, I've, I know of it. I haven't like watched it. I've seen like an episode or two, maybe like pieces of it. And it was kind of funny. I, I highly recommend for anybody out there that has ever worked retail or customer service jobs <laughs> to watch this show. I am like, it's not like over the top funny, but like, it's, it's so real. It's so yeah. real because like there are scenarios that happens on the show and I'm like, man, these people, whoever the writers are, had to have worked in <laughs> before. I feel like everyone has worked in retail at some point in their life. Everyone, they should work retail. But yeah, anyway, the point true. the point was there's a boyfriend on the show. He's a boyfriend of one of the girls that works in the store. And he, he's like this white guy that like want to be rapper. And he drops air horns all the time. <laughs> it, just, it just made me think of you. So I might have to. But I'm not the only one, though. Like, okay, so I was watching, I was just, Georgia Democrats did a fundraiser. Actually, Hamilton the Musical did a fundraiser for Georgia Democrats for the runoffs. And, you know, so I was watching that. And Lin-Manuel Miranda, when he came on, he did the he did the air horn. So, you know, I was pretty hype about that. So it's not just me. To this day, I know we talked about this before, but I still have yet to watch <laughs> Hamilton. I still think it's overrated musical about white people played by black people. It's really even though good. I haven't seen it. It's it's really good. All right, I'm going. I didn't do this the last time, but again, I'm going to put this in my. Maybe I'll take this video. I'll put it in my stories if people think I should watch Hamilton. I don't know. I just like it's so good. Like it's it's mm. really good. It's really good. All right. The music Listen, is it's, great. It's it's awesome. If it's not good, your future brother-in-law is in it. Like it's amazing. Yeah. Okay. I don't know who that is. David Diggs. We've had this conversation. This dude again. We've had this conversation. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll 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 have to have a, another conversation if. The people that follow me believe I should watch Hamilton. I'm pretty sure that they're going to tell you you need to watch it. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, anyway, what's what's new? What's new with you? It's been it's been some weeks. Yeah. We both stepped away for a little bit because like politics sucks. <laughs> so, that part. That and like the Georgia runoff election is happening, which we'll talk about a little later. But what's new with you? I put a pause on the book for now. I just have a lot going on. And I just needed to not add that on to the pile of shit that I have to do. So it's just a pause. It's not like I'm stopping. I just paused that for a second. I know we talked about this before. I know we talked about how we didn't talk about it on the show, but we've talked about how I don't, <laughs> I feel real. I don't feel like such a fraud saying this, but I don't enjoy, I don't enjoy canvassing. <laughs> mm, yeah. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to be doing some canvassing. My sh my shop is open. My Etsy shop is open for my soap, so I've been working on that too. So yeah, we're gonna to have to we're gonna to have to drop the link for the folks. I need black people. Y'all need to support support black businesses, support black women. Yes. So buy some soaps, clean yet wash your ass. <laughs> yes, Etsy. Just look up. I mean, well, we'll put the links obviously, but cleanse. Cleanse Soap Self-Care is the shop. Cleanse um, Soap Self-Care. Wash yeah. your ass, y'all. Please Wash do. your ass with Cleanse Soap Self-Care. I need Please. to, I think I need to, I want to start a career in doing like voiceovers for like commercials <laughs> and like introductions. Like I want to, I want, I've always wanted to be like the movie guy. <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't know. Especially after now listening to my voice listening to the podcasts again after recording them i hear all kinds of weird shit in my voice so it's like eh, i don't want to hear my i wouldn't <laughs> want to hear my voice everybody says that about themselves <laughs> i i the, to be fair i i am not saying that because i believe i have a spectacular voice i too <laughs> hate my voice and it was something i had to get used to doing the podcast 
I just think that that would be a fun job to have. I mean, yeah, that sounds that sounds like a pretty cool job. I just have I had like this weird lisp thing going on. And like the way it's the way that like I say my S's and T's like they aren't like they aren't like crisp. So it's just weird. I can hear it, though. You got that Atlanta Philly. (laughs) The combo. Twang. The two piece. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What's going on with you? Well, let's see. The Georgia runoff election, like I said, so I'm doing some work there more than likely. Literally the day after New Year's, January 2nd, I will most likely be in Georgia. So there's a lot of work happening with that. I too, actually, I'm not going to share this information. I I still need to, I'm not even ready to start this yet. So I'm not even going to get behind it. I am doing a holiday event with a community center here. So we're going to give out toys and Christmas gifts and like just little packages for folks in the community. So look out for that. We're looking for at least 10 volunteers, but also we're collecting toys, coats, hats, scarves, gloves, anything that like people that were impacted by COVID needs. So I'm working on that. That'll be next week, two days before Christmas. Okay. So I'll drop the link for folks to, in my bio for Instagram and the show for folks to be able to show up and support if they want to. That's really it. I mean, my job extended me through January, so I know I have a job until then at least. Oh, well, that's good. But we'll see from there. I don't know past that, but hopefully (laughs) we'll continue doing some other things. And, you know, maybe who knows? Like maybe this podcast will get take off. And I mean, you know, I'm saying not Joe Button, but (laughs) not not Joe Button, but something. He was the first person that comes to mind. And I have never actually listened to his podcast. Never in life. But uh, he was just the first person that came to mind. He's always on but Clubhouse, anyway. like all day long. Listen, if y'all don't know what Clubhouse is, that is that is something we need to get into. Maybe next episode <laughs> we'll we'll get we'll dive into. Do Maybe you realize not, how like, many times we say we should do a show that we're going to do a show and we like we never do it? It's hilarious. It's always time. because it's never always like, stuff to talk about. That's why it's just funny. Listen, but no, I but really Clubhouse think we though. Could, we should we should do an episode. We won't center it around Clubhouse because that's just chaos. But I think there's a way we can segue that into the conversation about like how just black people are interacting generally. on social media. Right. Yeah, because that's a that's a real conversation. But anyway, that's all that's going on with me. Nothing nothing major, but all, but like just a ton of moving parts as usual. But I'm glad to be back doing the podcast because yeah. I got a lot on my mind. There's a lot been going on. Let's get right into it. First things first, you know, we, we, I thought about it this week and, you know, I think one of the things that happens after the presidential election, people stop paying attention to politics as much. Mm-hmm. So it's not a lot of politics meets uh, pop culture this week. Not a lot happening in that realm. I don't think that is that. I think that the, because 45 has basically been 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 held up in the White House and either that or going golfing. Like he hasn't been doing shit that's trash mm-hmm. ass shit. So there's no read that so, you know, celebrities haven't really had a reason to intersect in that in the way that they were before with politics in that manner or, you know. So I think it's more of there's just not that much going on outwardly for people to attach on to i mean there's always shit going on but like 45 hasn't been out here in these streets being an ass so you know true very very true well what's happening and uh let's talk about what's local what's happening in georgia shit we all know what's happening in georgia runoff 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 like that is the that's the biggest thing that's happening in georgia right now like everything else is has a back burner than what's happening in Georgia, than everything else. Yeah, my job, like I said, I'm going to be headed down there. I know a lot of, I talked to a lot of Philly organizations that's headed down to Georgia. And I'm curious, you know, a lot of people, when I was on Clubhouse, the the app that we're, we've been talking about, like a lot of people in Georgia and on the ground in Georgia, like that are residents were like, they said like they were feeling some type of way about all of these people from outside of the state coming in yeah trying to get in on this election what what are your thoughts on that georgia don't that's not how georgia works and (laughs) i was in a room 
And I got on the stage with some people from a specific organization. And I wasn't saying anything negative. I just was like, you know, everyone don't flood Georgia. Like, if you're going to come, come. Like, we, that's cool. But go through an organization that's already here, that has roots here, and see where they need help. And then, you know, go out from there. Just don't come to the state and just start doing shit. And it got taken completely out of context. Like I was telling people to not come to Georgia and do things. And so I just, I just left the room, but just is a lot. It's a very robust grassroots infrastructure here. It's a lot of people on the ground that have been doing the work for a very long time. And so I just think that people need not to go to go to just come here and just start doing shit. Like, Go to these organ go to these organizations first and see where they need the manpower, see that where they need support, see where they may be lacking so that you can help them do better. Or, you know, just bring your message and but go to these organizations first that are already here. You know, Vo- Black Voters Matter, Latasha Brown is based from here, right? And you have you have Fair Fight Georgia. And then you all, but and then you also have the New Georgia Project. Like there are so many organizations here that you can funnel, that you can go to first if you're if you're just going to be like I'm coming, bitches. Like, just come correct. Like just just come to the people that know the city first, and then work your way outwards. There, there is a you know because I'm working in that that space. There is a frustration from. That takes place between like national organizations and on the ground grassroots organizations, because a lot of grassroots organizations feel that national people only pay attention to them during big election time and the grunt work, the day to day work, it gets skipped over and miss. And it's like, what's the difference between that and what the party does? You know, like the, Democratic oh, the party, party does the same shit, too, though. Right, right. And so because like that- they like a lot of on the ground grassroots organizations feel that way. Like there is no difference between like the national organizations and the party, Mm-mm. even though y'all not necessarily saying the same messaging, the way y'all operate is the same. Y'all only pay attention to us when y'all want our votes. And then y'all did like, y'all ain't building community. Y'all ain't doing this and that and that and that. So forth. yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I was doing, I was a part of the recount. I was a de- designated observer for the recount and you have to, you got you got your training through the party or whatever. And the Gwinnett County chair like showed out this year. She's a black woman. Her name is uh, Brianna Keaton. She did uh, an amazing job with, you know, rallying the county, black Dem- not just black Democrats, but just Democrats in general for Gwinnett County. She did an amazing job. And the part the the national party essentially bought someone in from out of state to oversee the recount in Gwinnett County. Like, why? Mm. Why? What? What is the point of that? Like, use the people who are already here that are doing the work and are showing you the results. Use them. Don't don't just go over their yeah. heads. Like, it's, it's unnecessary. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a real growing pain. But hopefully all of these organizations are learning they're building on the ground operations, even in off election years. And, you know, they don't have that problem moving forward. Some aren't, but that's that's yeah. part with that's part for the course. So true. Very, very true. But anyway, Philly, what's going on in Philly? So much is happening, right? Like right now there's a snowstorm Mm-mm. that's about to come through here, which I am Mm-mm. not like I have not been. Can I tell you, I've been so disconnected from everything that I didn't even know this snowstorm was like on the horizon until like like this morning. Mm-mm. We're supposed to get like five inches of snow tomorrow. I'm not oh, about that snow what? life. Not yeah, about that well, life. I am not excited about that. Let's see what else is going on. There's a few things catching folks up. There is there's a petition right now going on, which I think this is something that needs a lot more attention. A friend of mine sent it to me who used to work for the Philadelphia Home and School Council. Actually, I'm not sure if she still works there or not. I'll have to find that out for sure. But there's a petition going around asking for the Philadelphia School District to change how they do their curriculum during the 
during the the learning, the distance learning while folks mm-hmm. are at home, like kids are at home, because there is a high demand on expectation of like, they want the kids to be sitting in front of their computer from eight to three yeah, every day and only five minute breaks between classes. No way. And And then, you know, obviously like a lunch break. And so... You know, that's not really working out well. Parent, you know, children aren't going to classes, you know, all of the problems that you would obviously expect from, you know, having kids sit in front of a computer for that long. Shit, it's tough for us adults to do that shit in workplaces. So imagine how kids feel. I got to do that. And let me tell you, the second I be ending my Zoom calls, I be jumping up and just bother everybody that's here. (laughs) Because I need to get up. Like, I'm sitting here all day. It's bad but, for you, um, the body. It's terrible the, on the body. An interesting thing is, is a friend of mine is a school teacher. Uh, he was a guest on this podcast. Shout out to Carlos uh, from We Love Philly. He had a class, you know, that he did later in the evening. I think it was, I started after five o'clock. And, you know, all right. So to give you a little context, I actually, you know, I was a guest teacher in one of his classrooms recently. He teaches high school students. And I was a guest teacher and, and taught a class on just doing the interview of a podcast. And it was probably, you know, somewhere around 10 students that were in the classroom. Maybe three or four were engaged, but they were very engaged. It was it was really nice. He said this this class that he had that was after five o'clock, he said it was over 30 students that was on the class and was engaged. And it just made me think of like, we really need to change how we're thinking about the structure of our classrooms in a traditional way mm-hmm. where like, you know, we like obviously the eight to three at home ain't going to work because people are sleeping in later or they're feeling a little lazier because they're at home. I'm lazier. Like I get up at like 11 o'clock every day now. I used to get up at like five, six every morning. Yeah, no, I'm not about that right? life. It's like an automatic comfort thing when you're working from home. So like yeah. naturally kids are going to think that. So there's a petition going on around that. I think I'll share that as well. But that's all that's happening in Philly right now. At least that I know of. Of course, there's all of the rest of the drama, but I ain't paying attention to that nonsense. <laughs> with, like with the, the Meek Mill drama that's been happening. I just kind of heard about it, but I'm so not plugged into that kind of stuff that I just be like, okay, whatever. There's this one page that I follow that gets a lot of attention who I won't mention on this podcast because I don't like the attention that it gets and like some of the posts that it promotes. But essentially, that's how I've caught up up with this whole meek drama. But apparently everybody was mad because he gave these kids $20 that like that was trying to sell them water or some some shit like that. Mm -hmm. And like that turned into this whole thing of like meek mill don't give back to the community. I'm like, if we're, we are judging how people not saying that he does, I'm not a supporter or detractor of meek mill. Honestly, don't give a fuck about him. But like, if we're gauging how supportive somebody is in the community on whether you gave some kids outside your car money, like that's not the right measurement. People need to just stay out of some other people's pockets. How about that part? Yeah. But anyway, that's a whole other discussion that I think will go into our social media conversation. But let's take a short break. We'll be back and then we'll get into our main topic. Okay. Here at Salah's Corner, I am always looking to connect with new people, hear new perspectives, and share new stories. And right now, I want to hear from you. Email me at realtalk at salazcorner.com and we can get your story featured on our next episode. Random ass question. Do you fold your fitted sheets? Yes. That is bullshit. I do. (laughs) I fold them all and then I put them inside of one of the pillowcases so so that they're all together. But the fitted sheets too. How do you even fold yeah. a fitted sheet? It's it's a whole it's a whole thing. Like you have to. It's a, it's about the right tuck. You got to tuck it. I ain't got time for that. It's Anybody so got time for that? It's so easy. I'm too busy for that. Anyway, <laughs> let's let's. I think I'm gonna have that segue back us in automatically. So we back. We back. <laughs> I want to know. Do y'all fold y'all fitted sheets too? Like I want to know if y'all like. <laughs> How, do y'all fold y'all fitted sheets? How do you fold a fitted sheet? Like it's a, it's a, it's a science. Like, I feel no. like a lot of people gonna lie. 
and be no, like, oh I yeah, I fold my fitted sheets. I'm I definitely fold it. my fitted sheets. I'm great at that. it. I will. Instagram I will make tutorial. a video. I will make a video of me folding my fitted sheet and a send TikTok. it to you just so that you can have it. I don't have TikTok. I don't have it either, but do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely fold my fitted sheets. And then I have like, you know how when you buy the comforter set, it comes in the little plastic, the the big plastic thing. That's where I store my sheets and I put them under my bed. I have like See, three or like, four sets. Thank you for even saying that because like fitted sheets don't even come folded in the pack. Like they come wrapped around that that cardboard shit. But it's still folded though. That ain't folded. It is. That don't count. Okay. I'm waiting. All right. Listen, you need to post your TikTok tutorial. <laughs> Insta, Instagram reels, whatever it is. <laughs> you teaching people how to do this fitted sheet. I want to see it. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> Anywho. All right. So main topic y'all saw the name of the episode and so this came about because i was listening to a podcast <sighs> by... <laughs> let me go into my intro oh okay i don't okay, do I'm my sorry. I, don't, I, don't, I'm sorry. I don't do my normal intros anymore i'm sorry I'm so sorry, I'm sorry. this came about from me listening to an episode of chris hayes's podcast if you don't which know is great is, it's a great it's podcast very great it's a very it's a great very thought-provoking podcast very intellectual podcast and he chris hayes if you don't know who he is he's a host on msnbc he has a podcast called why is this happening feel free to listen to it or don't i don't really care he ain't gonna get that much viewers from me anyway so whatever <laughs> but it's a good podcast if you are into intellectual thought a little bit and he had a guest on the podcast the episode was called political hobbyism and the guest was Eton hirsch and the episode was about a book that he wrote around political hobbyism. And so I like immediately I listened to this episode and I sent it to Fair and I was like, I want to know what you think of it. But like, don't tell me because I want to know on the podcast. And so to give you an idea, basically what this person is saying, and I'll let Farah, you know, break it down from what she heard as well, is that like there is a segment of American population that treat politics like they're watching ESPN that they treat it as though they are just watching or maybe they have a podcast like this one or a platform like this one and they treat it or maybe they do like TikTok videos on politics or Instagram videos on politics and they treat it like the the shows that you see on ESPN where it's just dissecting and it's just talking about stuff and it doesn't really go in anywhere. And it's just like fandom and hobby. And it's not really constructive. Not that it's damaging. He didn't. I don't think he went as far as saying it that it was damaging. He was close. He was real close. But he's, But mostly what I gathered from it was saying that it's just not constructive. And it's part of the problem of like why people and why we don't see progress in different areas. I'm going to sh shoot it over to you to Farah. You can. Put your, you know, how you felt about it. Like, what was your, like, his his perspective? And then how did you take it? <sighs> okay. I agree with what everything with you said. I do think that he, I think, he, I, I think he was right there with saying that it is destructive, you know, with people engaging in what he calls political hobbyism. My argument, first off, I was completely... I found I found it to be extremely offensive for this white man to be lecturing people on how they engage with politics. Like, who are you to tell me that you view my the way I engage with politics as a hobby because I'm I watch cable news? you know, and engage with some people on socials with certain hashtags and shit. Like you don't know what my day-to-day -day life is to say that it's just a hobby. I think, and I think, so I think that is extremely condescending and very, I mean, it's the epitome of white privilege to say something like that. I feel like, because like, in my opinion is though it is our job to be informed about the politics around us and engaged in a way engaged and in, informed enough to be able to make 
sound decisions about the politics that happens around us, it's not our job. This is not our everyday job that we have to go to every day and, and, and make these things happen. So to say that someone is engaging in political hobbyism because they don't en- engage with politics in the way that you see fit, I think is extremely condescending and just sounds about white. I mean, right. Excuse me. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. And I think that I think they're but, you know, dissecting his stance on it, because I, you know, I always try to approach these things from like not necessarily seeing all perspectives or like giving everybody the benefit of the doubt, but like seeing where the criticism actually applies. And so I do think there is a large segment of the population that engages in political hobbyism that truly treats politics and how they navigate politics and how much they watch and what they are willing to get involved with. Like a, like a, like a reality TV show, like, you know, like they're watching ESPN, like they're only just watching it to root for their team's recaps, go to social media to talk about the other team. And then that's kind of like, that's the, that's the end of their engagement. You know, I, I also know, you know, just looking at like voter information that like those people also don't vote in every election, right? Those people post a lot on social media, but they don't really get engaged and everything. They only vote every four years, maybe. They don't vote in like local elections and things like that. And so I think there is a segment of the population that's like that. However, taking it even a step further, you know, I think where the real critique lies is with white people specifically. Because I think that black people, black people, none of this is political hobbyism. All of this is like you know, the fight for our lives. Person, right. And me taking to social media, talking about, you know, whatever is happening in the world of politics, whether it be local or national, is is a, is a resistance move for Black people because of how much we've been oppressed throughout American history. But when white people do it, and it's the only thing that they do, I believe for them, it is very much a form of political hobbyism depending on like what type of actions that you do. And I think that there is a privilege that comes with that, like of being able to just like take the social media, talk about how much you hate Mitch McConnell, yet like none of your, none of the policies are impacted by you. It's like, well, like, well, what the fuck are you, like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? What are you saying? Like what you're doing isn't constructive. You're just adding your voice to the noise and not actually being a part of anything. And so like I do think there is a danger of like especially with and I think, you know, this leads to that some of the conversation around like how we engage on social media too and a societal issue of like it's not necessarily the problem with politics, it's it's more so the problem with our society and that like everything we do is we take it to social media or we take it to a blog or whatever, instead of actually like looking at the structural change of things. I think that specific critique only applies to white people. It does not Mm -hmm. apply to black people. I think black people is, there's no such thing as political hobbyism for black people. I think there's political ignorance for black people, for those that, you know, partner and align themselves with like, you know, racist or bigots or make excuses for them. You know, I think there's political ignorance for black people, but political hobbyism, I don't think that exists for black people. I think that's a sore, that is a white person problem that exists and is, is almost promoted on social media. Yeah, I can agree with that. And I, and that probably is where my, my problem lies with his thesis because there are so many reasons why people aren't engaged politically, right? Like it's not just because it's just something that is just, you know, by the wayside and it's just like, Oh, let me pick this up and play with it. And then I'll put it down. Like there's so many reasons why people aren't engaged. And then for him to say, Oh, and then he, cause I, he, he mentioned some woman, I think she was in New York or something like that. I don't know. She's supposed to have been like this inner, you know, air quotes, inner city woman. They love using that urban inner city shit (laughs) about how she engaged with 
she had some she did some shit after school and like her child is like she's like a single parent but she still found a way to do all of these things and be a part of this run this organization's so like bro everybody doesn't have that kind of time and he and he, yeah. and he made the point of like I, you can always find the time to do it no you don't you can't always find the time to do it m- m- most people don't have the luxury of having that kind of free time to take an hour out of their day to read up on the 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 happenings you know of city hall like they don't not only do they not have the time when they do have the time because they've been dealing with all the other shit in their lives they want that time for themselves and on top of the fact of they they purposely make it difficult to navigate figuring out exactly how to do that i've gone to various websites for for you know in philly state websites you know down here city websites states websites and it's difficult to find the information that you're looking for so mm-hmm. to 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 just leave it so blanket like that i felt like it was, it was extremely ignorant and extremely harmful because that then just detracts people from wanting to be engaged because then it's going to be like, Oh, well I'm dead. That just makes me a hobbyist then. So I'm just going to, I don't know what I'm talking about. So I'm just going to say like, no, 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 don't do that. You know, be as engaged as you can be as informed as you can to make the, the best decision for you for the, that you think is the best decision when it comes to voting. That's your job as an American. It's not your, all this other shit is because they haven't been doing their jobs. All of these organizations that have had to have, you know, be created and, you know, all of the other shit is because you haven't done your job for me as a citizen. So now I have to advocate for myself because you're not listening. So I got to force you to do this shit. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, come Mm -hmm. on, bro. Like. That's a very white man thing to say. I, 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 was, I found it to be extremely offensive, actually. And One I was actually the... very surprised at how receptive Chris was to a lot of his points. It was, it was surprising, actually. I was kind of disappointed. Well, I think that part of how reporters um, and journalists cover some of these interviews sometimes isn't always about, like, knocking down everything that the person says. I think part of it, I think part of, part of it should have been a challenge of like, well, black people don't have that luxury of just being like, you know, this isn't political hobbyism for them, right? A post on social media in support of Black Lives Matter or, you know, not supporting a particular law that needs to get passed Mm -hmm. in Philly or, you know, just talking about whatever political issue, that's not political hobbyism. Right. Because like we know that on a social media space that black people are also targeted and segregated and isolated into hubs and little pockets and not given the same kind of platforms. Right. So like mm-hmm. that's not a form of political hobbyism for black people. And like I wish Chris Hayes would have pushed on that more. But the other stuff I think is a real critique, you know, and, and, and it makes me think of white people specifically, specifically of white people that it's a critique of. And it made me think of. One of the things that he mentioned on the show when he talked about, you know, what the Ku Klux Klan is doing in communities that are like for for people that are addicted to opioids. Right. Like they are creating this sense of community around people where no one else is creating a sense of community around. Right. And and I don't th- that obviously for black people that exists. Right. Like black people have been doing that. But I think that is a very hard lesson for white people of like, y'all, y'all don't do that type of work all the time. Like mm-hmm. no, a lot of times that is black people that's leading the charge and doing community, you know, outreach and creating a sense of culture and creating a sense of like wrapping your arms around, you know, a group of people and then pursuing political goals after that. You know, one of the things that he mentioned was like churches is normally that place, but like because there is a decline in church attendance, you're also seeing a decline in political activism in the same type of way. 
And again, like all of this, I be- I fully and wholeheartedly believe is a sh- should have been on the show a strong critique for white people. But it's also, I think, something worth pursuing as we as because th- in that same context, right? Like we also know that black people are going to church less too. And so when we even even though you know I don't believe that black people can and should never be considered political hobbyists, there is a critique I I believe of black people and how we navigate politics and how we get engaged because there is a huge segment of like black population and it's more prevalent it's more prevalent now with younger black people that's like you know and we're seeing it with covid it's not happening to me so it's not a big deal right? Like, I don't know anybody that's got it. So it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. And it's like, because there is that lack of community, that's not there, and it's not wrapping their arms around it. And like, because you're just not like an issue that you're plagued with. Like, it's not being it's not it's no longer that introduction into politics and engagement in a way that it used to be back in the day. So yeah, like, I just <laughs> And I think that's why I found it to be offensive because it's like black people (laughs) it's like they don't want us to do shit. And then when we do shit oh now you're a political hobbyist because you know you you don't every day take an hour of your day and sit down and, and do this. Like bro like who are you to tell me and I just say this generally speaking too. Like I under I completely agree with your critique of it, but I still feel like generally speaking, like who are you to tell me how I can engage with politics? Who are you to tell me how it's okay for me to engage with politics? White people love to you know espouse this, you know, the the freedoms that we all have and you know. I have the right to do this and that and the third. And then when I do things my way, oh, no, that's not good enough. You're not doing it right. It's like, who the fuck do you think you are that you can tell me how I can engage with politics and the way that I, who who the fuck are you? Who are you? If you're not doing it in the way that is appeasing to, to white people, they try to knock you down and tell you that you're not worthy and it's fucking tiring. So let me, let me ask you a question. What is in American politics? What not specifically for, you know, not like black people, what's the problem for black people or what's the problem for, what is the biggest problem with American politics that you think right now? The biggest problem is the lack of transparency for people. Like they don't know because they've taken civics out of school. So they don't really know how to engage. It's the knowledge of how to engage and what the process is. Because even if people weren't extremely engaged in, you know, political organizations in their communities and all of these things, if they knew how the system worked and have a vague idea of, you know, the policies or, you know, the things that they need in their communities, they being involved in that manner and knowing what, knowing what they are and voting when it's time, like, "Ah, I don't like how he did that. So I'm going to vote him out. Or I like how he did this. So I'm going to keep him in he or she. That is enough. That's enough. I don't have to be a part of the NAACP and the Georgia Democrats and, you know, whatever other acronym that's out there, right? Like, I just have to be informed of what's going on in my community and around the world, see what my representatives are doing in their respective houses. If I agree with it, great, vote them back in. And if I don't, great, vote them out. That is my job. That's it. That's my job as a citizen. Now, if I want to be a part of all of these other political organizations, that's great too. Like, great. But if you don't, that's fine. 
But my job as a person, as an American citizen, is to simply vote you in and out of office. That is it. Be aware of what's going on in my community. Engage where I can. Know the issues and either vote a representative in or out of their respective seats. That is my job. I I think for me, I think the biggest problem with American politics is like I was sitting here thinking about that as you were talking. And I think it's, you know, taking the topic of this, like of that podcast, political hobbyism. I think the biggest problem is, is political hobbyism, but for white people. I can agree because, with that. I see where and, you're coming and it, from. And it's, it's it's twofold, right? It's it's the type of person that he diagnosed, right? So it's the it's the it's the white person that watches two three hours of like CNN or MSNBC or even Fox News, you know, whatever news channel that they're watching, and spending two and three hours watching cable news, mm-hmm. and then just taking to social media with their frustrations and qualms about stuff. That's that's one form of political hobbyism. The other form, which is far more pervasive and problematic, is how white people approach voting and getting engaged. And a large po- segment of like white population view politics as a game. And even if there aren't, even if they aren't watching two or three hours of cable news, even if they aren't taking to social media. They view the issues on race and politics as a like, you know, just my team or your team type of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. As and a like, policy that, issue as opposed right. to a human issue. Correct. And in that form of, you know, approaching politics, American politics as hobbyism, it it removes the the seriousness and depth of issues for like black people in, in America. Right. And it like makes it, you know, small and minuscule and not about race and not about like problems that like of of like racial discrimination and systemic racism and like targeting of black people. Like it makes it not about all of those things and just makes it about like my team versus your team, even if I'm not doing all of those things that he talked about, like watching a ton of cable news and you know, maybe engaging heavily on social media. And so that and both both forms of political hobbyism is a severe problem for white people. <laughs> because we yeah. also we all we we know that black people are highly, highly engaged in politics. Problem is is we don't make up the majority of the population in the country. Right. And so we know that black people, even if, you know, you know, the, the bigger problem that like, you know, they like to focus on is crime, crime. But then like also when you when you hear about like, you know, Trump won this number of votes or that number of votes, the first thing that they say is like, oh, well, Trump picked up more black votes yeah. or Republicans picked up more of this and they're making inroads on that. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Like, what about like the fact that you know, conservatives, like more white people actually voted this way, not the other way around, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's more of the problem. Like more white people think that like are not supporting Black Lives Matter for anymore for some reason. Like they were really into it in the summer in June and then like totally fell off of it, you know, Mm -hmm. after that. Like that's, that's hobbyism. That is with white people. That's specifically with white people. And it's the biggest problem. I think since day one in in America, I can I can see that argument. I I I, I agree with that. I, I do agree with you on that. Yeah, I just it just blows me that white men still just out here white splaining shit. Like, who the fuck are you? Yeah. Yeah, I think I definitely think it's worth a listen for everybody that's out there. I more than anything, maybe you'll have a, a stronger critique than we do of like how white people approach politics in America and how pe- how white people approach talking to other people about politics, which is also a, a, a problem in America. But 
But the other problem of like how we engage politically online, I think is something that we can pursue on our next episode. Yeah. Anything else you want to add to that, Farah? White people going white people. And, <laughs> you know, that's it, really. <laughs> All right, let's take, a, <laughs> let's take a quick, quick break. And then we'll be back with some whack asses of the week. All right, welcome back with our whack asses of the week. We were, Farrah was just mentioning how, like, it's not that she doesn't like white people. It's just that, like, they do a lot of trash shit, which I agree with. It's However, not, it's very easy to not be trash. I I also am of the belief that you are likely racist until you prove otherwise. I I agree with you. I feel like, and this, I feel, I internally feel bad, but then at the same time, on like at the, and it's within a split second, I'm like, but no, like. Every white person I see, I feel like they voted for Trump until you can prove to me <laughs> that you didn't or until you say something to me that proves that you didn't. Like, I I feel that internally. And initially, I'm like, oh, I shouldn't feel that way. But then I'm like, no, like, I can't I, I can't trust you. So it's like, I mean, I, 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 I really do feel that every time I see a white person, I'm like, yeah, they voted for Trump. It's something like one in like one in four white people voted for trump like that's not like or one in four people just in general i think something like that it's 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 a high number so like i yeah yeah i'm i'm a i'm a big uh, proponent of if you ain't black you you racist until you prove me wrong and that 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 applies not just to white people Uh, no it does not yes i Um, completely agree with that all right white asses of the week I ain't prepared. So who you got? Um, okay. So I wasn't prepared, but I have, I was thinking about it. And so I knew this yesterday that this is what I was going to do, but my whack ass of the week are the three judges that ruled in Trump's favor to overturn the Wisconsin, the Wisconsin election. There was three Wisconsin Supreme court judges that ruled in his favor that wanted to overturn the election. It, it won by a four to three vote. One conservative judge did side with the liberal justice. I hate even saying that. They sided with the liberal justices on the on the court. I was trying to figure out exactly who they were, but it's difficult to find them because they don't run under party. They run as nonpartisan. So I couldn't figure out which ones it was. I'm sure it's out there. So if anyone finds it, Holler at me on Twitter, you know, let me know if that what if that's what it was. It's Farah underscore Gamo, you know, like Farah Gamo the close. <laughs> but yeah, four to three to overturn the election. Like, who are those three judges? Like that that's some trash ass shit. Like, he lost. Get the fuck over it. Yeah. He lost. So that's they're my whack asses of the week. My, I, I just that easily because there are so many whack asses out there. I was able to find my whack ass of the week. And so mine is Pennsylvania Republicans. What they do? They are actively trying to go back and restrict mail in voting in Pennsylvania. So for all of you who don't know or do know, Act 77, you know, was signed into to law a few years ago by Tom Wolf and it essentially allowed mail-in this now this was before the coronavirus right mm-hmm. like so it allowed for mail-in ballot for anybody and any, anybody who wants one everybody and anybody who wanted to to apply and get a mail-in ballot and send it in and so republicans are i think are seeing the disadvantages of when everybody votes <laughs> that. and and are now trying to to take that away so they are my my whack asses of this week so kind of in line with yours because it was also pennsylvania republicans that was also like putting forth these cases in pennsylvania to challenge the biden win by trying to take it back to the legislature for the legislature to choose the it was yeah yeah, yeah it's a mess so I told you, for, white, pe- white folks going white folks. White people going white people. They going like to do I what said, they do. Until proven otherwise, you you probably a racist. I should make that a segment. You should, <laughs> I should do like a video, a TikTok video. I keep talking about TikTok videos. And you don't get a TikTok so you can make these videos. <laughs> I try, yo. It's too much. I, I can't. I can't figure it out. I've never even downloaded the app. 
I downloaded it one time and I was like, this is not happening. I da- I had Snapchat and I don't use it. Like I don't I, I don't haven't get it. Had that in about seven, eight years. But anyway, yeah, no. Nah, I mean, I'm not a fan of social media. I keep talking about social media, so next we week. We definitely have we to talk about. Because we keep going back to it, like, even after our segments, like, we keep going back to social media, so. Listen, we'll we'll, we'll talk about that on next week's episode. I'll put that question out to everybody. Um, we'll vote on Whack-Ass of the Week. I'm going to be looking for guests for next week's episode, maybe. And you come to, you come on and tell me, what's the problem? Is it people or is it social media? I think that's the, the question for next. Don't answer. Don't answer, Farrah. That's going to be the question I wasn't for next gonna say that. I was just going to say, I think that's going to be, it'd be great to bring in other people's thought processes. You know, we, we bounce shit off of each other, but it's great to, you know, widen the spectrum of our conversation. I got to put my journalist hat back on. All right. You're going to be looking for a guest. Hit me up if you're trying to be a guest. What topics you want to cover on the show? Yeah, he's the I journalist, y'all. Know. I just talk shit. Email so. me at realtalk at com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. That's how other people see this platform. That's how we get lifted up there. Farrah, you want to drop your stuff? Yes. You can email me at farrah.alisa at gmail.com. You can find me on the socials at Farah underscore Gamo. You can find my soap in my Etsy shop. The brand is called Cleanse Soap and Self Care, but the Etsy shop is just Cleanse Soap Self Care. Yeah. Send me the link so we'll put it in the show notes. Yep. Support black business while you wash your ass, y'all. That's your <laughs> slogan. That's going to be your slogan. That's it. Support black business while you wash your ass. <laughs> I feel like I, I think I put in my Etsy profile like Mama Panora minding her her black owned business or some whack ass shit like that. But I love it. Like, my, you know, <laughs> I like it. Anyway, <laughs> it's corny, that's all we got. Uh, I fucks with it. Until next time. Peace, y'all. Bye, guys. Burr, 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 burr.